This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Bastards are back for this Tuesday edition of the podcast. We are a part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners. This is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Charlie Smith coming to you live from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me at Smith underscore MLB at Twitter. The chirping has been real the past three days. Uh, Always love when it comes in. Joining me tonight for another fun episode is going to be Joe Goddard. Coming to you from our nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island. Job, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, at time of recording, the Red Sox are on a seven-game win streak. Um, things are things are looking up for this team. I am no longer beating the Fireheim Bloom drum. Now I just want to wave the caution flag. Don't fall in love with him until he signs Rafi Devers. But other than that, we're all set. Very, very good in D.C. today. I want to apologize for addressing you by one of your lines that you always use, but I quickly corrected it, but you are now reaccepting job applications. Yes, I am. You can find me at JOBNLB on Twitter. Excellent. Joining us also in our third slot, we have Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach by way of Windham, Maine. Terry, you look a little lighter. Have you been working out? What's going on? No, I... uh... Just had a word with Mother Nature, as you guys know. <laughs> Let's uh, keep it out of the bathroom, though. I am doing good. And uh, fun fact, you know, about Job, I, you know, because his name is spelled J-O-B, you know, so I'm like, I had no idea how he pronounced it, uh, you know, before he came on with us uh, a couple of years ago. So, yeah. It's going to be a fun show. Terry, where can we find you and what's the uh, what's the best way to find the podcast? You can find me and all of my inappropriate memes at Cushman MLB. And you can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston, which is by far the more active of the two. Excellent. Thanks so much, Terry and Joe, for joining me tonight for another episode of Totally Legit or Calling the Cops. So we touched up on this for the the prior show a little bit. We didn't really talk about longevity. So with that being said, number one, totally legit, or are you calling the cops? Nick Pavetta will find himself in Boston for at least the next three years. You buying or not buying? You want me to go first? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Let's let's put you in the leadoff spot, Terry. All right. Um, well... I think his deal does run for about – I think it might run for two more years after this. I, 
So I'll, I'm going to preface it by saying that Pavetta is making uh, $2.65 million this year. He has two more years of arbitration eligibility, does not hit free agency until 2025. So he's team owned for at least two years. Two after this. But I think it's I think it's going to be more than two. What do you think, Terry? I'm for now I'm calling the cops because I just think we have so much depth in the minors. I mean, if Josh Winkowski proves to be that bona fide number three that we're all hoping he'll be, he's gonna be here for at least the next six years. Brian Bayo, at least the next six or seven years, depending on when they start the service time. Um, so you're seeing Pavetta pitch. There, there's a lot of miles being put on his arm right now, as we've seen. I mean, he's going to – he he could get close to 200 innings this year. So for now, I just got to call the cops. I, I, I don't okay. know that they're necessarily going to invest on him with all the guys we have coming up in the pipeline. All right. Joe, what do you think? I'm also calling the cops, but for a different reason. I think next season – Nick Pavetta might be the beneficiary of the Red Sox being super cheap this upcoming offseason, not signing Xander Bogarts, and he might get an extension. And I think so, I think he might be here, but I also think he's going to get traded. I think he's going to get signed to an extension and traded for a bucket of prospects that are in high A. Maybe double A, who are gonna maybe contribute to the twenty twenty eight Red Sox or twenty twenty nine Red Sox if we're lucky, because Heim Bloom cares more about the minor league system than he does about World Series rings. That's a fact. I think this is totally legit. You're getting two point six five million this year. You figure he's probably gonna double that up, maybe makes five million in twenty twenty three, maybe eight or nine. If he, if he really overperforms the following year, we can be conservative. We'll call it eight. That's 13 million over the next two years. Maybe you throw out another 12. Three years, 25 million committed to Nick Pavetta. That's almost a third. That's a little more than, uh, excuse me, a little more than a third of what we committed to Avaldi for four years. A fraction of the Steve cost. Dombrowski. Doesn't matter. I'm still talking about the fact that I still think that he's going to be in Boston for at least the next three years. If Nick Pavetta can continue to do what he's doing, yes, he could be a potential trade ship. But I think right now, as it stands, I think there are going to be some pieces, that, some pieces that move, others that do not. Terry, is there something you want to add? Well, just for just to be clear here, he's only going to have two arbitration years, 23 and uh, 2024. 24. So mm-hmm. for him to be here that third year, he has to get an extension. At some point. It won't be a one-year deal. It won't be. No, it'll be a four-year deal. He'll pitch here for that first year, and then they'll ship him off for a bucket of bolts and uh, some baseballs and hopefully a lottery ticket or two that cashes in. I think a four- or five-year deal is in the realm of possibilities here. Fifth-year team option. T, it sounds like you got something else you want to say. Fun fact. Any idea what his middle name is? I'm going to guess it's Terrence. No. It's Charles. It's Giancarlo. 
That's adorable. It's, I never would have guessed it's that. It's spelled differently than uh, the Yankees guy, but uh, that's all good. But yeah, that's his middle name. Cool. Right on. That's a really so, cool name, Nick Giancarlo's Pavetta. I like it. That's pretty sick. Doesn't he Giancarlo? sound like he comes from like a rich family though, and he just doesn't have like that's like what the vibe he gives me in his press conferences, like like. I don't have time for you guys. Can we just hurry this up so I can get out of here? That's he gives me whatever vibe. He can give you whatever vibe he wants if he wins ball games. Exactly. Right now, ball games. Ex- exactly. So or I, I or like the assholes. Or he can give you any vibe he wants as long as he's not David Price. Right. I hate David yeah, Price. Yeah, me too. I hate David we're Price. There. On Tampa. Too bad you weren't here in 2019 uh, or 2018, even when I was I, still roasting him. The Fire Farrell podcast. So those are the good old days. Yeah. The good old days indeed. We're going to move it into number two here. Totally legit. Recalling the cops. Barring a major setback, the Red Sox now look to be able to get to more than 90 wins. Currently 11 games over 500. They are projected to go 93.2 to 68.8, round it down and up to 93 and 69. Can the Red Sox maintain this pace and win over 90 right now? Totally legit, or are we calling the cops? I hate to do it because I've been beaming with optimism lately, but I think we're, we're going to have more than my 85 projection, but I, I don't know if we hit 90. We're 7-14 and 14 against the division. That's our record, and it's mostly the division for the rest of the year at this point. So I'd love to be the optimist, but I don't know. I just I feel like I'd almost be jinxing it if I took the over 90 here and have egg on my face at some point. I mean, we saw how this team kind of collapsed in August and September last year, so I I think we're probably in the 87 to 88 range, and I, I do think that that probably will get us in the playoffs. But, Job. Job. I am – well, let's put it, let me preface it with this. We know that the two gentlemen on the other show would both think this is totally legit. Right, Jason picked him to have 94 wins. Which is wild. Which is insane. Right now that's the projection. You're picking on 94 wins, and Andrew generally leans to be t- more optimistic. I'm, I'm putting words in his mouth. I didn't speak to either of these gentlemen. I'm just assuming. I'm going to assume they both say yes. Terry, that makes us the two that both say no. Like, let's balance out the shows here. Charlie, you're going to have the deciding vote because I'm also going to call the cops on 94 win. I just don't see it happening. I think this team is going to win 88 to 89 games. They'll finish in the second wild card spot and uh, we'll have to go to New York. So I think both of you two are insane, but nothing to do with this, with this take. It's absolutely not going to happen. This it's 88, 87. Terry was saying it. It's like, I a hundred percent feel his pain now, whenever you go last, because he's speaking my words into existence and, Job, you said the same thing. I think we're going to get more than 84, 85, 86. I think we're going to end up with 88. There's going to be a little bit of regression. Um, 
I don't think we're going to get 90, and I definitely don't think we're going to keep the pace at 93. Job, you had one more thing you want to add. Yeah, I just want to remind everyone that there are other teams in the league who are on torrid paces. All it takes is one bad injury, and I, I don't want to bring that about. And I'm not going to mention any names. You know who the injury would be. That would devastate the team. It happened to Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Awful. Fernando Tatis before that. You lose a superstar, it becomes very, very difficult to maintain the killer pace. All it takes is one injury. If we have an injury, all of a sudden the, the team doesn't do so well. Uh, I know pitching, we have injuries, right? People are saying, well, our injury was Chris Sale. I don't buy it. That's not the big injury. There's always an injury that comes your way that really hurts your ball club in the middle of the year. We haven't seen it yet. And uh, it's going to come. Somebody will eventually get hurt. And uh, hopefully we can weather that storm. But that's why I really don't think you'll hit 93. It's a, I think it's a very accurate uh, point there because we've been very, very lucky so far. And I, I'd like to say that we can continue that pace. Uh, Terry, if there's nothing that you want to add, we'll, we'll slide in number three. Perfect. All right. So totally legit for you calling the cops. Totally is a hard word for me to say. Totally legit. It doesn't flow very well. It doesn't flow right for me. Number three, Nathan Avaldi at the season's end. Stop smiling, Terry. We'll get the QO from the Boston Red Sox, but we'll be playing for another team in 2023. Totally legit. Or are you calling the cops? I think that's totally legit. We've got a lot of young arms that are going to be up next year. Brian Bale looks like he could come up next week if they really wanted him to. Josh Winkowski has been solid in a sample size that's still kind of small, but it's it's getting to be a healthier sample size every time out. I don't know if Cora mentioned what his status was. I mean, he's on a start-by-start basis, so I, I don't know. He hasn't been optioned uh, as far as I can tell, so um, maybe – Excuse me, he will get another start, but so many so many arms coming back. I mean, Chris Sale probably going to be back. He's probably going to make at least one start before the All-Star break. James Paxton is throwing bullpen sessions right now. Both of them are controllable through next year. They're under contract, basically. Um, I don't see why Heim Bloom is going to spend... 15 to 20 million a year on Nathan Avaldi, and he ain't even pitching right now anyway. Even if he was pitching, Terry, you're absolutely right. He's probably not going to be on the Red Sox next year because there are more cost controllable options. And this is the spot where normally I'd start ripping High and Bloom for being cheap, but there are cost controllable options. There are guys you have to pay. Pay Rafi Devers. Give the money to Xander Bogarts, keep the core of this team together, and move on from Nathan Avaldi. You can't pay everybody. Well aware of that. Give the money to Rafi Devers and go with the young guys. Some of these young guys can really pitch. You mentioned it, Charlie. Nick Pavetta, two point five million, probably gonna make, you know, five, six, seven million in arbitration this year. Uh that means you could have a rotation, arguably, that is outside of Chris Sale, all making under $10 million a year. That's the line because that's what James Paxton makes, right? So you could f- theoretically have five starting pitchers, 
four of which were making under $10 million a year and who were pretty damn good. That could be a recipe for success. I do think they'll tag Nate Evaldi at the one-year $14.1 million number. He'll walk away from that. He'll sign a three-, four-year deal. Hopefully, for his sake, he's healthy. I hope he pitches well somewhere else. I really do like Nate, but it won't be with the Red Sox. You're on mute, Charlie. Thank you. Uh, that's going to be a, an always thing because I talk over everybody. Uh, I agree with both of you. And and here's some numbers I want you two to think about. He is completing a four-year, $68 million deal that he signed fresh after, literally, in my opinion, what was the bullpen performance of all time. It was one of the most exciting bullpen appearances ever during the world series in la that he did not get the win but really came out and gave the red sox an opportunity he's making 17 million this year michael walker is making 7 million james paxton who has not played yet is making 6 million rich hill is making 5 million those three gentlemen combined are making 18 million nate evaldi in four years having made 68 million currently with the red sox has 24 career wins that is six wins a year on the average i'm sorry that is not 17 million you are getting better production for a third a third of what you're paying Avaldi for some of these cats half of what you're paying Avaldi from some of these other guys rich hill's going out pitching lights out and still hasn't been injured you've got pavetta doing cupcake work on all of these guys it's insane you've got Paxton who we still haven't seen yet I'm curious to see what happens and then the president of the Michael Walker fan club with us tonight Michael Walker's doing work Evaldi is not going to be coming back he'll get his QO he will be playing for another team but I will be the, not the first and most certainly will not be the last Nate Evaldi thank you so much for your time here in Boston it has been an absolute pleasure having you here you will never be booed for as long as you play baseball and you play at Fenway Park. Joe, there's, I think I saw you wanted to say one more thing. Yeah, I just I want to point out, Charlie, that the one thing the Red Sox suck at, and it's an organizational thing that goes back to since Theo left, they don't develop young starting pitching. There is a chance now with the young guys that Terry mentioned that we've seen some of them already at the big league level to be the first crop of young starting pitchers to come out of the Red Sox organization since 06, 07. That is potentially the best thing that Heim Bloom has done for this team so far. And it could be a, a Lester Buckhold situation where you have two guys who are front end of the rotation starters for multiple seasons on the cheap. That is the goal for Heim Bloom here. Because he is cheap with the owner's money. And that's why Nate Evaldi's not coming back. Not because I don't want Nate Evaldi, but because there are other cost controllable options. Yeah, go ahead, Terry. I just simply don't want him. I mean, I, I was just kind of browsing through articles to see if we can get a timetable on his return, and there is no timetable. He's not expected to be activated before the end of the Cubs series, which would be 
uh, a week from today, and he would need at least one rehab start. He's not throwing bullpens right now, so I'm wondering if we'll even get him back before the All-Star break, and I think that contract was probably a year too long. It shouldn't have been more than a three-year deal, but we're going to try to salvage whatever we can here. And, and would you take him back at, at the qualifying offer number of 14.1 million? Yeah. For one year, I guess I would. I just don't think that's realistic. I don't think it's realistic either. I'm just curious. It's not going to happen. Um, No, he's he's too good a player and worth too much money. Agreed. He will, he will get paid by another team. It, it, It won't be Boston and it's, it's sad, but there are, uh, there are a couple of, um, a couple of players that we still haven't signed, and and I hate to say it, but not to say that you're not a priority, you're not the top priority, and that's where it comes. Um, I have a, a team I want to throw out there for this. Sh- sure, yeah, yeah. I think the team he's going to go pitch for is going to be the St. Louis Cardinals. That'd be wild. That's that's my team. Wainwright's gone after this year. Yada Molina's gone. Jack Flaherty is healthy-ish, but they could use another arm that could be the front of the rotation guy. I think they fit very nicely together. That's a good fit. Uh, Houston was also uh, really wanted him, so potentially that could be a spot as well. I don't want him to go there. That would be tragic. That's that's, that's the one team I hate in baseball more than the Yankees, and I, I dislike the Yankees. I think they're ridiculous. But the Astros, I just – unforgivable. Unforgivable behavior, and people don't forget. So – I hope to God he doesn't do that. I used to love Verlander, and then he went to Houston. I hated him after that. That was it. I know Terry loves him. I, do I can't do it. I love I him, too. He's my favorite player to never play for the Sox. Oh, God. You two haven't watched enough baseball then. Uh, that's just my take on that. Anywho, we're going to mosey right along into number four. Totally legit. Or are you calling the cops? Rob Reef Snyder will play a pivotal role for the Red Sox. Wait for it. During the playoffs in 2022. Terry, oh, you want to go me. first? I keep forgetting I'm waiting on. Even off. if it was me, I was going to say something. And I was a little bit lost for words. I'm going to call the cops on that. Um, I just, we're getting a, a bit of a logjam here, especially with um, Duran becoming very relevant and seemingly making less and less sense to, to option back to Worcester. I do think we're still going to get Tristan Casas uh, with the big club at some point before the end of the year. I think he could be the guy who's suddenly a, a postseason hero, a good comparison, Kyle Schwarber, 2016, uh, you know, I think they are very similar to players from an offensive perspective. Yeah, and uh, so I just don't see a ton of room, really, for a guy like Ref Snyder. So, go ahead, go ahead, Joe. I also think it's it's tough to find the playing time, but there's always that guy, right? There's always the piece that no one expected to be a key piece. The Johnny Gomeses, the Steve Pierces. Right, the guys that you never really expect to step up in the big moment, stepping up in Boston. It just happens every single time we go on a run. And can Rob Ref Snyder be the guy? Maybe. 
But I there's so many other guys that I think are, are more likely to be that person that I, I I'm gonna call the cops on that as well. So I'm torn. I think that the the just interesting factor, he's got that right now. This is someone who's not gonna have a lot of pop. He's been playing super well, but eventually it's gonna come back down to reality. It's gonna come back down. So I am gonna stay calling the cops. I think he'll have he'll have a role. Um I think he'll I be on this th- team. He'll be he'll on be the like team. Pokey Reese in 04. He'll be he'll be a player on it. I don't think we're gonna get like the Eddie Rosario where he just comes out and plays out of his mind. It's like five home runs in three games or anything like that. I think he'll have uh, an important spot, but it won't be the key place. Um, so if there's nothing else on that, we're gonna slide in number five. Number five, totally legit. Are you calling the cops? Trevor Story will have a monster second half of the season to finish minimum. 265 with 25 homers, 95 RBIs, and 20 stolen bases. Minimum. Is that totally legit, or are you calling the cops? That is totally legit. I think his second half is going to look a lot better uh, than his first half. We saw Bobby Dahlbeck have a, a great second half last year, and Hopefully for only the second time in his career, the first time was pretty brief because they only went one round, but hopefully he's got a chance to kind of make his imprint uh, as a October legend in Boston. I have a theory that if you put Trevor Story in the postseason, he's dominant. I have nothing to back that up. He just seems to be one of those guys that when the moment matters the most, he's locked in. I have nothing to back that up. That is just, I pulled that one out of nowhere, thin air, just based on my opinions of him as a player. 265, 25 home runs, 20 stolen bases, totally legit. I think the 25 home runs is going to be the one that we have to worry about a little bit. But I think he'll hit... 275, maybe 280. I think he might steal 30 bases. And uh, it's going to be reminiscent of of Dustin Pedroia's years where he got into the 20 home runs and, and played very, very well down the stretch. I think they're very similar offensive players. So I think this is totally legit. I don't think he's going to hit up to 280 because he would have to probably hit 320 to even that out to 260 you know to 280 i think the 265 is is a possibility he'd have to do close to 300 if he's going to try to remotely come close i think the 20 stolen bases is absolutely doable he's already halfway there in the rbis more than halfway there the home runs he's just a tick under the halfway mark but he's just another insane week away from having seven homers and 20 rbis He's the type of guy that can go and just have a crazy week. How do I know? I faced Lori, one of our our, our uh, loyal followers in fantasy that week, and got handed a disgusting loss. But it was led by Trevor Story, who had every single one of her home runs that week, and I lost to one player and friends. I really think that Trevor Story having weeks like that, obviously they won't come around forever, but they don't come around all that often. That's why he's not a perennial all-star second baseman or shortstop. 
But if they come at the right time, they could be more valuable than a consistent 265. Does that make sense? I know that that doesn't necessarily, over the long run, pan out to more wins above replacement or whatever stat you want to give me. But in my mind, if the story can get right at the at the right times, it can absolutely have massive impact shifts on the momentum of this team. I don't disagree. I think it's got with the start he had, it's going to be really easy for him to have a better second half. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. This is the type of guy who has that power, has the capability of getting it done. And I, I think of the players that we have in this team, this is going to be the player that when they go off, you're going to be like, yes, this is what we want. Uh, this is what we were totally expecting because for Devers, we already, we have an expectation for Xander Bogarts. We have an expectation for Trevor Story, We weren't sure what that was going to look like playing second base instead of short and kind of working, um, working around where he typically plays. Uh, so I definitely think it's possible. Job, I'll let you uh, wrap this one. Yeah. We'll I mean, Charlie, you mentioned it a little bit. He's playing a new position. He's in a new city. The longer he plays, the better he's going to get. And I, I think, Terry, you said it's very easy with his numbers for him to have a better second half. I think the more comfortable he gets, the better he gets. He was better in year two in Colorado than he was in year one. I think he'll be better here in the second half and then better in next year than he's been so far this year. And I don't think that that's speaking out of turn. Excellent. Uh, we are going to slide into our last take of the evening. Totally legit. Are you calling the cops? The Boston Red Sox will finish up the regular season with one of the most lethal back-end pens in the game. Is that totally legit? Or are you calling the cops? I will say... That that's totally legit. John Shriver's sample size is healthy now, and it's getting bigger each time out. Is he going to end the year with a sub-1 ERA? Probably not. Will he end it with a sub-2 ERA? Yeah, I would say probably. Tanner Houck, I feel like he's still kind of growing into the role, but I think he's just going to get more and more uh, shut down as we go. I don't know if the seventh inning guy shows up at the trade deadline, if that's an acquisition or perhaps that's someone that we're going to pull out of the minor leagues or perhaps Matt Strom just goes nuts again for a couple months. But quietly, I've just kind of felt like we were going to figure out the bullpen, and I'm still confident in that. I had no faith in adding to this team. I had no faith that Bloom would do it. I had no faith that ownership really wanted to win this season. That is very quickly changing for me because I believe that this team, we watched them last season. A lot of fun to watch. Very engaging team till the trade deadline. The players admitted at the trade deadline they were let down by ownership 
and by Bloom's lack of moves, and they went on a massive slump. If this team is within eight games of first or has a clear shot at winning the wild card, the first or second wild card, Bloom has to go get somebody. You can't two years in a row tell this team, no, sorry, we're not getting you any help. We don't believe in you. Because I think that would be the worst thing he could possibly do for free agents upcoming and the worst thing he could do for this 2022 iteration of the Red Sox. He has to go get a big arm. I think there's guys out there. And I think all you need is one guy. You need one right-handed reliever who can dominate the seventh inning. I think Matt Strom is your eighth inning guy. I think Sean Schreiber is your closer. And I think Tanner Houck does the rest. He's your high leverage, bases loaded, fifth inning, nobody out. We need a we need an out. You go to Tanner Houck. He's your wipeout guy. But I think John Schreiber can be the closer for this team. <laughs> well, we'll debate that for a while, I guess. But I think John Schreiber is the best pitcher on the staff for nine pitches. Outside wow. of, outside of Bold take. Bold take. So I think this is absolutely legit because when Garrett Whitlock comes back into this bullpen and assumes the role of closer, you are going to have the best, exciting, one-plus, two-inning guy to close out games in Major League Baseball. you got Tanner Houck in there. you got the president of the John Schreiber and Michael Waka fan club also starting to make me think. I'm beating that, the drum. we got to buy a guy. You know, I, I, I'm not saying that. I will say, though, that per what Terry said, it's no longer five or six games anymore. Schreiber's starting to look legit. And his ERA and whip, while under one right now, I don't anticipate that they'll keep him under one. It'll probably be under two, probably like a one four, one five, like a real fun closer, like what the Houston Astros have had and some of their relievers are what uh, I believe uh, Williams in Milwaukee had a couple years ago where it was a microscopic ERA. Um, I think that that's going to be the guy. I don't think he'll ever do that again. I think this is the the one and only year that this will happen. It'll probably be in the twos, low threes in the future for him. No one had any idea what, what Schreiber was going to do. People are still trying to figure him out. Charlie, do you remember when I said John Schreiber should be the closer? Do you remember how many innings he'd pitched and how you how you reacted? I I want to. I don't remember if you said he should be closer right away, but I remember you said he should be getting looks, and he had only made four or five appearances. Right, and that four just is not enough. Like this is the guy. This is not enough. But yeah, I mean, you were fully now he's supportive. Really the guy. I I think that he's earned the opportunity to become the closer, and he will get that chance now in Toronto with the fact that Hauk will not be there. He will get some opportunities. These are the highest of leverage. If we can get him there, if we can give him a save opportunity, I would love to see him get it done in nine pitches, as you said. I don't think it'll just be nine. I think they'll try to stretch him out and maybe give him a couple bonus pitches, maybe 12 to 15, to maybe get one, maybe two punch outs. He could be exciting. Do I think he's going to be the best closer in baseball by the end of the year? No. Do I think he, he has the out- one per inning? And Charlie, you said what the rest of us were all hoping and thinking when Whitlock comes back. Everybody slides down a slot, right? Right, absolutely. Driver, even if he's your closer now, 
He's your eighth inning guy when Whitlock is back. And then all of a sudden, Matt Strom is that seventh inning guy that, Terry, you talked about. And everybody moves back a stop. Now, I still think they need to get somebody because injuries and the fact that we still pitch Hirozaku Sawimura in any game, I think, is not a winning strategy when you need high leverage innings. I think Alex Cora loves Tanner Houck in the ninth inning. So I, I think so too. I'd be surprised if he comes out of that, but we'll see. But if Whitlock goes back to the bullpen, there's your then trade you deadline piece. There's your deadline piece, essentially. <laughs> well, they, they sold us that last year, right? Ownership said, oh, don't worry. We don't need anybody. We're getting Chris Sale back. And, yeah, the team showed up and won the next five Chris Sale starts, but he gave up seven runs, nine runs, nine runs, seven runs. It's not enough to say, oh, guys, our own guys are coming back. And I know that that's the timeline for Paxton. It was the timeline when we signed him. That's what they're going to sell you on. They still need a high leverage guy. White Sox aren't doing good. It's true. That's a contract that I like. They got a guy that. uh, They've got two guys. Has some experience in Boston. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But it's going to be I a think fun... there's another guy who has some experience in Boston that might be might be on the market as well. There's a couple. We'll talk about those, I think, in the next show, Terry. I think Joe um, Kelly is going to be cheaper than uh, Daniel Bard, but I think so too. I think Daniel Bard is, and I I think Daniel Bard would hate to be in Boston. I think that that would be bad for him, and I don't think that that would be effective on for his career. So I actually am against the Daniel Bard move, but Joe Kelly. That's intriguing. Now talk about a way to fire up the fan base at the trade deadline. How always, about how about this fun. trade? He'll veto it because he's got a no trade clause. But how about we just apologize for the Michael Kopech thing and be like, we'll give you Chris Sale back. We'll just give him <laughs> back to you. Just give us Joe Kelly. I think there's a lot of fans that'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well. I uh, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see that move happen. That'd be interesting if we did. But uh, I think we're going to wrap it with that. It has been a pleasure, gentlemen. Joe, Terry, thank you for joining me. We want to thank all of our loyal and dedicated listeners uh, wherever you listen to our podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. We thank you. We appreciate you. And we look forward to bringing you some fresh content real soon. Everybody have a great night. Take care.